Hello, I'm Harriet Smith and welcome back to Dietitian Cafe, where we discuss the world of nutrition and dietetics. In this big dietetic debate, we'll be discussing the topic of where have all the men gone in dietetics. I'm delighted to be joined by registered dietitian duo, Dr. Adrian Brown and Owen Marples. Adrian works as a research fellow and lecturer in nutrition and dietetics at University College London. He's also an honorary specialist senior weight management dietitian at UCL Hospital. And his research interests center around obesity, type two diabetes, bariatric surgery, weight stigma, and the use of low energy diets in different patient populations. Owen has worked in a variety of NHS roles, including diabetes specialist dietitian, public health coordinator, and quality support manager. Owen is now a clinical lead dietitian at the digital healthcare company Aviva. To coincide with Men's Health Week and also Dietitians Week, of which diversity is a theme, we will be discussing the lack of gender diversity amongst dietitians. We'll explore why the dietetic profession is almost exclusively female, look at possible reasons for this and also implications. Adrian and Owen will give their suggestions for what more can be done in the future to engage men and encourage them to join the profession. We hope that you find this a really interesting discussion. And without further ado, it's my great pleasure to welcome Adrian and Owen to the Dietitian Cafe. Thank you for joining me. Hello, Harriet. Hi, Harriet. Thanks for having us. You're very welcome. So let's dive on straight into our questions. Um, first of all, I, before we get into the sort of gender discussion, I just want to know a bit about how you both ended up as working as dietitians. So perhaps, Owen, we can begin with you. Yeah, sure. So um, I, I guess, uh, so where does it begin? I love food and I thought that I wanted to be a chef at the age of 16, which was like a really naive move in retrospect because I had no idea uh, really what uh, constituted being a chef. And, uh, and I did that for a few years. I went to culinary school and I, I was okay. I wasn't great, but I love food and I got interested in health and um, nutrition. So then I decided to do my A-levels and go to university to do public health and nutrition, um, and then went into public health, uh, which I really enjoyed. I worked in kind of obesity and overweight and uh, also child weight management as well and kind of coordinating programs. Um, but I wanted to work with people a bit more, kind of not be so much sat behind a computer screen. So. Um, and then I heard about dietetics and I thought, oh, okay, I could be, I could talk about food and be paid for it. Um, as my day job, that'd be great. Uh, so I, I kind of studied for that and got into, um, into a master's and, and then became a dietitian mainly in East London and did some work uh, in nutrition support and then weight management and acute care and then diabetes. Um, so yeah, it's always centered around food, Harriet. That's that's really the thing. I think that's similar for a lot of dietitians. We're we're big foodies, aren't we? Exactly. What about you, Adrian? Are you a foodie? I am a foodie indeed. Uh, uh, thank you, Harriet, for obviously having us on this afternoon. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, so as you as you said, I'm a senior specialist weight management and bariatric dietitian. But how did I actually? get into dietetics. Um, I've got, I've got a story, um, but it's non-traditional. Um, and so I'll, I'll give you my non-traditional story. Um, so, um, I did, um, sport and exercise science, um, at university. Um, and within that, I, I was interested in nutrition. Um, I did all nutrition modules all the way through my degree. And then to be honest, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And um, I ended up becoming a personal trainer um, at a local gym. And I worked there for probably about two and a half years. But during that time, like I remember it vividly, it was a Saturday evening and it was around 10 o'clock. And we should have been working, but we were actually browsing the internet. And my friend went, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to move to Australia. And she went, well, that's interesting. And I, do you want to work there? And I was just like, yes. And then she went, um, do you know about the MODL, which is a migration occupation demand list? And I was just like, no. So we looked on and we found out the personal trainers attended a dozen in Australia. And we looked on the list 
and looking at points to get to Australia, we were looking down and I saw dietitian. I went, oh, I like diet. I like nutrition. Maybe I could become one of them. Um, and then I looked to see if there was a dietetic course um, and where to do. And there was. There was one in Leeds. And the closing date was two weeks from that date. So I quickly got my references together. I wrote a personal statement and I put my application in, but obviously did it very quickly. So I didn't actually have that experience um, to, uh, for the dietetic degrees. So um, I didn't unfortunately get in the first year, but I got onto the waiting list. And then I applied the next year and I got on, which was absolutely fantastic. So it's not traditionally that I knew I wanted to become a dietitian per se, but I'd also always had an interest in nutrition. And, and through a wonderful um, co coincidence, um, freak sort of uh, conversation with a friend, I've ended up becoming a dietitian and it is the best decision I've made. I absolutely adore my job. And for... Uh, for, for that to happen, um, it, I'm absolutely blessed every single day. Um, from a dietetic point of view, um, I started, as Owen did, uh, working as a general dietitian um, in a hospital in the West Midlands. And I actually did my whole clinical career there as well. Um, and I went from uh, to band six, sort of weight management and bariatric dietitian, and then into a senior role as a team lead and weight management um, dietitian within the NHS. And then past that, I decided to go and do my PhD um, at Imperial. And I am currently now a research fellow um, at University College London. So a little bit of a different route to dietetics than Owen, but, but, in, but a great one nevertheless. There's some themes here though. Uh, so one thing I, I missed out is that when I finished my public health degree, I didn't know what I was going to do either. So I wanted to get out of the country as well. And I ended up in South Korea teaching English. There you just go. I thought, you know, why not? Uh, only to come back later and get into nutrition, like fully. But um, there we go. Both wanted to escape on some level. Mm. So, ended so up together, nonetheless. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but, but, but I think that's quite interesting in itself is that I'm not sure everybody knows they want to become a dietitian straight away. And, and I think um, it sort of lends into the idea that you can go and do something else mm -hmm. and still bring those skills, those experiences that you've had and bring them into dietetics. Like I did sport. Uh, I, so, so I know about exercise and physical activity and those sort of elements. And I bring that into my dietetic practice. So I think that all those things that, that have brought us to where we are have possibly actually benefited our practice in some way. Definitely. And actually, from my um, personal perspective, I got into dietetics through having back surgery and having to see a dietitian myself. Um, and similar to you both, I was at university doing something completely different, kind of science related. But if, if it wasn't for that personal encounter, I wouldn't have come across dietetics. So I think given that this episode is going to be coming out during Dietitians Week, it just highlights that there still needs to be a bit more work done to really champion dietitians and make the general public aware that we actually exist mm. i agree yeah yeah and then and that's possibly one of the reasons that we'll be highlighting later on about why I'm possibly men aren't as prevalent in our uh in our profession as uh, as as they possibly could be and thank you very much adrian for leading me on to my my next point which is current estimates are that around five percent of dietitians just five percent are male and I wondered if this is reflective of your own experiences of working in the profession. Um, Owen, how about the teams that you've worked in? Have there been equal representation of male and female? There's never been equal, but I have worked with quite a few male dietitians, uh, but we were the minority uh, always. And that's not a negative thing necessarily. It was uh, overall quite positive, I think. Uh, maybe we can talk about that in a bit, but... Um, yeah, I think 5%, I, I suppose that's probably, is that reflective of my experience? Yeah, probably. I think especially at conferences and things, you know, you really notice. Um, so, yeah. Adrian, do you have anything yeah. to add? Yeah, no, I agree with 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 that very much. So, I mean, to to be honest, um, the experiences that I've had working in departments, um, I have been... <clears throat> the only or one of the only dietitians at one point i was the only dietitian in the department 
um, for at least about three years. And that was a department of around 50 to 60 dietitians. So I was definitely the minority there. Um, but I agree with you, Owen. I, th I think I, I don't think it was a disadvantage. I enjoyed the environment, um, and I, I enjoyed being a male in that environment as well. I mean, the, the advantages are that, as we'll get on to later on, is, is 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 that you're noticed for one thing. That can be a benefit. That can be a, a sin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, as everybody knows who you are, <laughs> including the patients and uh, every every one of your colleagues, uh, when you go on to ward, they go, "What dietitian? Oh, the man!" And it's not like you can hide. Um, but it does it does play to your benefits um, for, for for multiple reasons that people do know who you are. Um, so you can make that difference. And and I think sometimes when you are on ward, unfortunately there is still very much a male focus in a clinical setting. And sometimes, unfortunately, the situations you'd be in is that men play possibly a different role within these elements, and that can play a benefit to some of the things that go on. And, and so that's an unfortunate situation, but I've, I've, I've possibly experienced that within my career. And do you have any thoughts around why there might be such a gender imbalance in dietetics, Adrian? I'm not actually sure we know why there is a gender difference, to be honest. Um, that's a million dollar question. I mean, I mean, as you as, as we both said, we all like food. So the majority of people like food. Um, I like my personal health and a lot of men do. So it's unclear as to why men aren't uh, further into the career of dietetics it's 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 unclear but i mean if we think about sort of the traditional roots of dietetics and they were traditionally very much around sort of food production within the hospitals and delivery of food and predominantly and traditionally women would have fitted within those roles um and if we looked at the traditional medical model men were doctors women were nurses and took care in the caring environment and very much it that those traditional roles might not have actually changed and if we start to think about that is that actually a reflection that the public have a poor understanding of what actually dietetics do and i don't think they actually truly know no i mean i would, yeah just to add to that you know i'm sure we've all had conversations like Obviously, or you know, what's the difference between a nutritionist and a dietitian? And you know, broadly speaking, I would say people aren't so aware. But it's interesting because when I I don't know, I speak to friends or I meet new people and I say I'm a dietitian, A, you get those questions about food, so you need to weigh up if that's a good idea, if you just want to have like a, a good night out. But the other thing is that I wouldn't say the public perception is that it's a female-dominated job. So it's just interesting how it relates to yeah what happens in the profession. Um, I'm I'm not sure either. I think it's a, it's a big question, but um, I I guess I wonder about maybe there's perceptions of its status within the medical profession um, within the MDT, the multidisciplinary team. So I don't know if that plays a role. I think. Uh, Again, very much generalised here, but I think men are quite attracted to roles with status. Is that playing a role? Is it to do with wages? I don't know. I mean, I don't want to generalise too much, but I feel like there's a few factors at play. I agree with you, Owen, very much so. And and men, as we said, we can't generalise, but often when you look at the professions that men tend to get into at university they're very science-based and I don't think that perception of dietetics is that it's heavily science-based I think it's very much focused around food um, and sometimes I think that obviously we know it's anything but the truth we know it's it's hugely based around science and the complexities of of, of food uh, nutrient interactions um, but men predominantly go into sort of those traditional science roles, the medicine, paramedics. Um, and you mentioned about money. I think, I think if I had solely based my career decision on money, I don't think I would have become a dietitian. And 
I, I completely based it on something completely different, which um, which was very much around around um, helping people. Um, but it could indeed what you're saying about that sort of natural stigma that there is, there could be related to the profession and this continuation of trend where men are don't want to necessarily get into a female dominated profession. Um, and they, they, they might choose something different. Um, so, but I think things are starting to be challenged. I think those stereotypes are breaking down. I mean, we're getting more students coming through who are, who are males, but still in, in the vast majority of times, um, and, and departments, it will be predominantly females. So the question is, where are they going after university? Because um, sometimes they're not going into departments, so they're going somewhere. Well, I would argue yeah. there's there's still not enough men perhaps coming into the university courses. Certainly when I studied, yeah. there was only maybe two or three males in a class mm -hmm. of about 20. Um, mm -hmm. And I know, Adrian, you're involved with um, UCL and their dietetic programme. Um, so is that something that you think in the future universities should be more aware of improving that di uh, diversity of gender split? Um, I agree with you, Harry. I think I think trying to increase the numbers of male um, dietitians can only can only be a positive thing. Um, I think um, sort of things that we really need to do is we sort of need to start to promote dietitians. There needs to be positive role models presented. Um, the, the vast majority of images that you will see that are presenting a dietitian, they present a white young female. Um, and I think we need to be promoting the, the profession showing diversity, whether that be gender, whether that be ethnicity, whether that be age, showing that anyone can be a dietitian and it's not solely related to this traditional image, which is, uh, which has followed through dietetics for, for, for decades. I think particularly at UCL, we're really trying to drive forward with that. So within our advertisement, we, we've got men um, being photographed on the front in terms of our advertisement. We are going to be doing some videos sort of showing male role models. So um, thankfully, Owen's going to be one of those, which is going to be great. So thank you, Owen. Um, <laughs> I haven't signed uh, up to this yet. It's now on the podcast, so you're going to have to do it. But yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I think things like that can be really beneficial. But also, I, th I think it's about targeting when we target it, and and I think we need to be getting into schools. We need to be getting in and and showing the the great roles that dietitians are, and what they do, and the science and the complexity of everything, um, rather than it just being medics. Um, uh, and and also doing guest lectures at nutrition courses and health courses and those types of things to get those postgraduates interested. Actually, this could be a really great use of my biology degree. This could be a great use of my nutrition degree. You want to take it that step further. And so I guess there's a few things that we could be starting to think about doing to increase those numbers. Yeah. I think the other thing just to add is to say that there's also different roles for dietitians to work in outside of the NHS or kind of in care roles, you know, it could be um, food innovation for, you know, certain companies uh, working on products um, as well as, you know, within research or um, other things that I can't think of, but lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah. you know, I... <laughs> Industry, I mean. Industry. What you're, what, what, what you're working in. <laughs> Yeah, digital healthcare. Um, <laughs> but, but do you know what I mean? I think it's just important that uh, it's for those people who perhaps they want to be a dietitian and want to maybe explore and, and uh, gain more knowledge in nutrition, that it's not just about necessary healthcare. Mm. I think that could be a, a big draw as well. Mm. Absolutely. And, and that's something I wish I'd known when I was starting out on my dietitian journey. I think there is still a stereotype like you both talk about of um you know 
being a female and um, being relatively young and going through your NHS career. But like you pointed out, there's so many different career options available and hopefully Dietitians Week will give us that opportunity to promote that. Mm. Um, I just want to go back to what you were talking about, Owen, earlier. You said actually your experience has been very positive being a, in a you know, minority, being a male dietitian. Can you tell me a bit more about what those sorts of benefits are that you've encountered through your professional journey? Yeah, I think um, it goes to some of what Adrian was saying. You're like a, a bit of a novelty. Uh, maybe that appeals to me on some level. But <laughs> I think um, I remember I remember coming coming to my first job and being told things like, "Oh, men go far in diet tests. You know, you're going to do really well." And I I think there's this kind of maybe there's this positive uh, viewpoint that. Um, that, that men do kind of strive and, and go further in dietetics. I, I don't know, but that's definitely the impression that I was given. And that's quite empowering, you know, it's um, quite nice to hear. So, so on the whole, like I've got nothing but positive things to say. And I also noticed that within teams that I worked in, that were mainly female dominated, they enjoyed having um, a male presence there. And they said that it kind of, Help the atmosphere and it brought different opinion and just changed the dynamic for the positive. So, yeah, on the whole, I think it's it's been of benefit, which is probably not fair, but kind of what I've experienced. And uh, Adrian, what what have your experiences been? You mentioned when we were chatting last week, shorter toilet queues at conferences. That's been oh, that, that was my, that, that was that was Owen's. Uh, that was Owen. Yeah, I mean, that there there are clear benefits at conferences. Um, I, um, but I, but I do I do agree. I, th I think I think I've had overall a very very positive experience. Um, as Owen said, I mean the experience that I've had is that the women that I've worked with have enjoyed having a male. As they said, that changes the dynamic slightly of those conversations. We do give a slightly different um, a viewpoint at times um, that uh, that are helpful, and particularly it's, it's helpful sometimes when when men when male patients want to speak to a male. And vice versa, if a woman wants to speak to a woman, then there's that opportunity and that availability for that to happen. So having males within the profession can actually be quite beneficial. Um, and starting to think, unfortunately, about societal elements and particularly some of the patients that we see, sometimes being a man presents very different in certain cultures to being a woman. And unfortunately, that can play differently to how how things are, are presented to patients. Um, so that 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 I have noticed. I'm not saying that's an advantage, but I have noticed that in terms of sometimes you will be speaking to someone and they will speak to you despite you being not necessarily the the uh, expert in the area. They they focus on you because you're a man, um, and. So, so sometimes I can see that there, there's 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 those elements that being a being a man can have its advantages, but also disadvantages because sometimes things are focused on you when they actually should be focused on the expert, and it's and it happens to be a woman. And unfortunately, what tends to happen is sometimes those things are focused on you. Yeah, that's really interesting um, because there was a another research paper that talked about some male dietitians and dietetic students and. Um, feeling a perception of discrimination linked to their gender, that could be both, both positive and negative discrimination. Um, so that's really interesting to hear how that's kind of been highlighted in your careers. Were you aware of the gender imbalance before you went into dietetics, both of you? I had no idea. I, I honestly hadn't checked it out. Um, I turned up on the first day, turned into a room full of women and four other men, and I thought, result. Um, <laughs> um, no, no, uh, I, all seriousness. No, I, I had no idea, but I, I, I absolutely love working with women. Um, I think the majority of my friends are women. Um, and I think it's an absolutely incredible environment when it comes down to dietetics, gender doesn't come into it. Um, it's, it's, they are a dietitian. 
what gender doesn't really matter. They're, they're role models. They're they're excellent colleagues. They're they're researchers. They they it's it's about the job. And for me, it's never been. I walk into a room and I go, oh my goodness, I'm full of women. I walk in and go, okay, I'm. It's a it's a room full of dietitians. Um, it's it's only it's only when often a lot of other people point out that you are the only man in the room and you go, oh yeah, I am. Um, that that it becomes very uh, prominent. But um, yeah, I think uh, no, I wasn't aware of it at the start. Yeah, I was the same. I, I had no idea. And then I turned up to a couple of interviews and realised that I think I was at London Met's interview and there's a lot of students, you know, applying. I can't remember how many, something like 90 or 90 in the room. And I think there was two men. But, you know, I just didn't really care. <laughs> Not really. I, and I do think, I, I don't know, I don't know what you think, Adrian, but I think some for some men it would bother them oh 100 and, and uh, i guess it just didn't really bother us but i don't, I don't know what's behind that um i'm not sure did you do it as postgraduate you i did, did. yeah yeah so, postgraduate. i mean i had a I, I mean by the time i got into my postgraduate yeah i knew i wanted to become a dietitian yeah so the, yeah. it wouldn't have mattered if it was just me in the room i wanted yeah. to become a dietitian i wanted to get that degree and yeah. I knew where I wanted to drive forward for. And, and as a result, the gender balance made no difference um, at all because I, I, I was focused on becoming a dietitian. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and anecdotally, I would say that, that I think that feeling is shared by quite a lot of other dietitians. I know when I was training, we had quite a few mature mm. students on our course and, um, lots of people who'd done previous careers, previous degrees, um, and even the people who were there as undergrads, a lot, like you said, a lot of people were so um, certain that dietetics was what they wanted to do that, yeah, the, the gender balance perhaps wasn't too much of a, of a concern. Mm. So in terms of improving things for the future with gender balance in dietetics, what do you think we could be doing on a personal level as dietitians, but also perhaps at a department level in you know, NHS hospitals and at a university level? I know, Adrian, you've touched on, on that with UCL. So, Owen, perhaps you can talk to us more on a personal level. What can other dietitians do to try and encourage more men to come into the profession? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. I think it does go back to some of what Adrian said there about maybe it's a case of let's say on a personal level um presenting more kind of creating more exposure for men in dietetics um that kind of image side of things uh, as well as talking about how the application of science to health is kind of prominent in the profession if if that's what men are looking for um but i, th I think on a professional level we still have some work to do. And I, I guess I'm not entirely sure what the right way is to go about it. Maybe from this conversation, we can figure it out. But I think, um, I do think there's still quite a lot of work to be done within dietetics to promote um, men and make it more, or perhaps more, a bit more appealing, a bit more accessible for them. Um, but I also think it kind of, the responsibility lies on us within our profession when we're working so that when we have students perhaps come through that they see men in these positions and they also see that dietitians and dietetics is an assertive profession mm. and i think and you know you guys can correct me if you think this wrong i, I sometimes perceive dietetics as a bit passive within the nbt and i think that kind of role uh, or, or sometimes attitude doesn't appeal to men. Um, oh, it certainly didn't appeal to me. And I think for me, it made me really want to change it and to really show what dietetics can do in the healthcare profession. Um, so I think it's not just for men, but it's for, for all of us as dietitians to really um, advocate for our roles. So I don't know if that gives an answer really. Just some 
yeah no absolutely that that's really brilliant mm. um and perhaps adrian you can talk in terms of sort of nhs departments and universities what more can be done there well i i, th I think i covered some of those elements and i think I think, Owen, you, you, in terms of things like role models and making them very prominent, I think they're so important. And when we start to think about those role models in our lives, we often look at these role models that would be on TV. So a, a model of a, of a doctor or a, or a fireman or a policeman, and they're, and they're professions that are openly out there and, and they are on social media and they have a positive element to them. But dietetics is, is it's hidden. Um, it is on programs. Um, it's great that we've got some more media presence and it's wonderful to see the BDA and, and, and all, all, all the spokespeople coming out and, and, and doing that. But I think we, we need to have that positive message more with, from a social media point of view, so people know what dietetics is. And as you were saying, you didn't know about dietetics, Harriet, until you had a back injury. And 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 when do people meet dietitians? They meet dietitians in in a hospital, and they'll meet a dietitian. It's likely to be a woman, and they're likely to be giving dietary advice. So they suddenly have an image of what we do. And sometimes, as you were saying earlier on, increasing that diversity. Now, there has been some research um, looking into sort of why and how we might be able to increase this. And Daphne Lordley uh, in Canada has done some work. And, and I think some of the stuff that she was talking about were really about sort of changing this perception of what the profession is, increasing role models, as I was just saying, but also increasing professional status as you were saying Owen. so <laughs> you were you were saying that trying to increase the status of it so greater respect and credibility related to our to our profession and sort of starting to break down those traditional um barriers that were there related to this is a female dominated um profession and starting to get men uh, more involved within that um but i think this there is a long way to go but i do think things are improving and hopefully podcasts like this, getting out on social media, um, will start to break that down. Um, and I think if we can slowly start to erode, we might see some changes. But if we start thinking about other professions, H uh, AHPs, we're in sort of similar boundaries to, to things like occupational health, uh, occupational therapy that has around 8%, speech and language, three to 4%. So I think they're under us. Um, but then physio are like 24%. Paramedics, 55% men. <laughs> so what are they doing? What, what is it about paramedics? So maybe what we need to do is we need to learn from other professions that have a better gender balance and start to find out from those men, what made you choose that profession? What made you go towards that? And possibly that's where some additional research could really start to drive forward and start to answer some of these questions that we've been attempting to answer today. I think you've just come up with a few PhD topics there for your students, Adrian. <laughs> there we go. Some master's student projects for next year. Uh, exactly. Or I've just shared it with everybody else and someone else is going to do the work. Yeah. So um, if you do, I would like to have an authorship on your paper. So uh, <laughs> um, just, just going back quickly, um, Adrian. So you, you mentioned, for example, there's a higher percentage of males in physiotherapy. Mm. Um, so I think there's still a stereotype that male dietitians tend to work in certain clinical areas, such as sports nutrition. Just wondering mm. what your thoughts are on that. Is it a myth um, or is that actually indeed true, do you think? I, I personally, I, I'm, I don't believe there's any particular area that, diet, that male dietitians flow into. I can see why sports nutrition might be an area that men go into because obviously men in sport, but I don't know the figures. Now, obviously, I mean, I've worked in, um, I've worked in dietetics for, for, a, for a while now. We'll leave it at that. Um, but um, the, the areas that I work in are obviously weight management and, 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 diet, and diabetes. And 
I have seen more men tend to be in diabetes, but maybe that's because my male friends are dietitians in diabetes <laughs> and weight management. Um, but I haven't seen one area particularly that men have sort of gone to naturally. Um, so I'm unsure, but um, Owen, I, I don't think I, I've, I've experienced necessarily one area when I've been working that men flow into. No, it's difficult to say, isn't it? I think like you, because of the specialities maybe we've worked in, perhaps we have a certain perception. I, I would say, you know, like from that, that I've probably met more men in working in diabetes and gastro, but mm. that's probably just related to those areas that I've worked in. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a difficult one to say. Mm. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, I, I, I almost, almost um, became a gastro and ITU dietitian. That's almost a direction I went. Um, yeah. at, um, and I might have been having the same conversations uh, where I say, oh yeah, there's lots of men in ITU. Um, but I, I guess it's the experiences in the departments that you're in. And I'm sure there's departments around the country that have a higher male gender split. Um, but the ones that I have worked in traditionally have predominantly been women. Um, but as I said, it, it's they've been absolutely fantastic departments that I've worked in. So, Yeah, I wonder if, this is just speculating, but I wonder if adrenaline kind of comes into the equation as well. You imagine that working in certain environments is more fast-paced, more stressful. I mean, being a paramedic, for example, if you're out all the time um, being called out to, you know, traumatic, stressful situations at times. I wonder if that's replicated in areas like ICU, perhaps. I mean, that's just me entirely speculating. Mm -hmm. um, perhaps more research is needed. Uh, possibly. I mean, I, mean, I, I loved, I, 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 the way I loved ITU because you, took, you walked in and you had all the information in front of you. Big sheet, everything on you, blood gases, fluid balances, all the bloods. The nurse knew exactly what was happening with the patient. I didn't need to look for anyone. I was like, boom, thank you very much. I knew what was happening. I walked in and you, and, and, and the fact is that on ITU, I thought you had a massive respect. Yeah. The dietetics was really respected in that area. And I think what, 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 in other areas, I'm not saying that dietitians aren't respected as much, but I think that's an important element to think about is about that, that res respect element. And I think, I mean, I, I started in weight management and that's been my passion. Um, and I have worked really, I had to work really hard within our department, within our hospital to really drive forward weight management and make it something and make it important. And that takes time and that takes effort. Um, and once people see that you've got passion behind stuff, and I think that's what, that's what um, I, I have around weight management, is that people want to do it. People want to do that thing. And, and so that goes down to sort of your passiveness, Owen. If people are quite quiet and maybe that doesn't drive people to want to do that profession or that area. But um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, yeah, that's a really good point. I, I think it's that you need to try and break the status quo and, yeah, really advocate. Uh, and I, I wonder, like, hearing you talk then, I was thinking about, like, outcomes and showing tangible kind of quantitative benefit and some of these things that dietitians do and how maybe that has a certain appeal. I don't know. Like, perhaps in ITU, there's a quicker feedback mechanism, for example, and, and perhaps some people that appeals to them. But um, yeah, I mean, that's a, the great thing about dietetics is that there's loads of room to uh, develop and improve and like push services forward. Like Adrian was saying about weight management or you apply that to type 2 diabetes and low diets and remission and things like this. You can really make a massive impact. And I think if we can show some of that, then yeah, not only men, but probably just more people in general would, would see the appeal of dietetics. And also the diversity within role, you know, like within my within my role, I don't see so many patients anymore, but it's looking at like um, things to do with uh, curriculum and processes and understanding training and quality. And, you know, it's, it's so diverse that 
um, I think we yeah we just got to show off some of this uh, some of this scope for for dietitians in the future. That's a great point, Owen, and I, and I've I, I completely resonate with that. I, I reckon dietitians don't scream and shout about how bloody great we are enough. Yeah. yeah? There's amazing things going on around the country. I've spoken to so many people that have phenomenal services that are doing so much amazing thing for patients and they're dietetic led services. They're not other services. And the dietitians are leading these amazing services, but we don't collect the data. We don't scream and shout about it. We don't publish it. And as a result, these wonderful shining lights throughout the UK and missed. And I think as dietetics, as a profession, we need, to be, we need to be sharing more. We need to be presenting our data. We need to be um, um, writing it up. We need to be going to the BDA research um, symposium. We need to be presenting that data and going to conferences to show the absolutely amazing work um, that as a profession, we do. Um, so, yeah. Big awesome. up dietetics. I mean, that is the purpose ultimately of Dietitians Week. So, I mean, I'm really excited to see what, well, actually hear what both of you might be up to during Dietitians Week. Is there anything that you'll be doing at work perhaps or through UCL, Adrian, or on social media? Do you tend to get involved with Dietitians Week? I, I'll, I'll, I'll be talking about, um, definitely be talking about dietetics next week and I'll be going on to Twitter um, to uh, give my views as I usually do uh, about how wonderful dietetics is as a profession. Um, um, we, we will also be um, um, in the process of sort of promoting um, our upcoming course and things like that. Um, but I know that diversity is a really important thing this year. So um, uh, we'll be doing some tweets and we'll be tweeting out this wonderful podcast as well um, uh, uh, to sort of promote um, dietetics. So, yeah, we'll be, I'll be a sort of uh, going abreast of what's going on with the, the BDA and really sort of promoting what they're doing. Brilliant. Well, that sounds all really exciting. Um, look forward to seeing that on social media. Owen, are you on social media? Do you tend to get involved? I am. I, I'm mainly on it when Adrian tags me into something and I'm notifications. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm not so active on Twitter, although I, I found it incredibly helpful actually um, in terms of like CPD and things. Oh. Um, but yeah, we've got a few things going on at Aviva and uh, we're doing some, you know, uh, some events within the company. Uh, but I'm sure we'll be looking at um, also some, some social media content, no doubt. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, oh, it's, it's going to sound really cheesy. It's uh, not about Dietitians Week. It's, you know, every week is Dietitians Week. We need to be like, you know, promoting this all the time, don't we? <laughs> but it's, you know, it's, it's um, something for us to really focus on, not just for a week. And I hope that we can really expand people's, because I was just thinking actually going back that all of us here, we didn't know about dietetics. We just came across it by chance. Mm. And the if we can Reduce that, and it's just more people something aware of, and they work towards perhaps a younger age, for example, or just um, people know what the profession stands for. Then I think that will go a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And we've worked with quite a few student dietitians lately, and the conversations have often been with them that um, you know, at school, the career coach, you know, none of them had heard what dietetics was. Maybe they'd heard of nutrition. Um, so there's definitely some more work to be done there. That. Yeah, hopefully this is a good start. Podcasts and things such as this. Um, yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Indeed. You said where are all the myo dietitians? They're right here in this <laughs> area. I think exactly. I exactly. Exactly. And in fact, that, that leads me on to my quick fire questions to you, which are a couple of kind of fun questions to end the podcast. So given that the topic is about where are all the men in dietetics, can you both tell me about another male dietitian? Um, I'm not going to allow you to talk about one another on here. Um, can you tell me about another male within the dietetic profession who perhaps has inspired you or you look up to? Um, who wants to go first? Owen? Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to. So I have worked with some brilliant male dietitians, but there's uh, one man in particular, Luke Morris, who I work with at Homerton, who's a diabetes specialist dietitian, mainly type 1 diabetes, who um, 
Yeah, it really inspired me, actually, because I saw the level of care he provides and how actually he um, kind of goes beyond, I would say, what people perceive as the normal uh, work of a dietitian and does fantastic work, not only just kind of on a personal one-to-one level, but, um, for example, expanding um, the reach of technology for people living with type 1 diabetes in uh, Hackney. So things like the Freestyle Libra, you know, he had a huge impact on uh, allowing more patients to get access to this incredible technology with um, improving management of blood glucose levels and quality of life. Um, And just seeing the way he went about his job um, and the dedication he showed no, you know, to the patients um, was was really something. And I learned a huge amount. I kind of came into the job not knowing much about type 1 diabetes care. I felt like I came out of it uh, knowing, knowing a lot more. And I really believe that was mainly down to that man. So, uh, yeah, big thank you to Lee. I now have to say he has to listen to this um, and buy me a pint or something. Oh, absolutely. And if you've got his, um, so if he's on social media and you have his social media handle, then by all means, he's not. Okay. So he definitely has to listen then. (laughs) He likes to play things low key. Has to listen. He doesn't shout about it. All the way. He doesn't doesn't shout about the kind of level of care he provides, you know, so I've got to do it for him. (laughs) But all those outcomes and things, you know, people should know about it. Um, So yeah, it goes back to our original point probably. He's going to have to listen to the whole thing, Owen. Yeah. <laughs> don't, te- don't tell him where the shout out is. <laughs> exactly. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing that, Owen. Adrian, is there a male dietitian that has inspired you or inspires you? I, 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 I'm, I'm thinking of it while Owen was going. I, I'd say I'm for, there's two. There's definitely, I would say, um, Professor Gary Frost. Um, who was my supervisor for my PhD. Um, what an absolute inspiration. Um, absolutely fantastic um, dietitian um, from a clinical sense, but also he has driven forward dietetic research and promoted it absolutely amazingly. And I think him as a role model in terms of how he has progressed and the, the, the level of respect and what he has actually been able to doing his career is an absolute inspiration and and um all the way through i've learned so much from him through through my phd and i continue to so um yeah gary um absolute um legend um i do have another one and that's my um one of my best friends john pemberton um who is actually a type 1 diabetes dietitian at uh, birmingham children's hospital and i would have to say um He's my go-to sounding board for pretty much everything I do. Uh, So if I write stuff, I do tend to go to John to have that nod, but um, absolutely amazing um, type 1 diabetes dietitian and equally produced amazing work um, at Birmingham and his drive and, and thoughtfulness and his, and his clear dedication to helping people, with type one diabetes is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and he's just created a new resource um, um, that, that's out there called uh, The Glucose Never Lies. And it's absolutely amazing. So so yeah, big shout out to John, but I will not be telling him um, that about where this is, but I'll just get him to listen to the whole thing as well. Uh- <laughs> amazing. Well, um, thank you so much for for sharing that and um i'm sure there are many other amazing male dietitians out there some of whom have been on the dietitian cafe podcast i should mention i i could continue to mention people but you said one or two and and i snuck in another one you did you were uh, yeah it's a bit unfair to be honest Uh, well that that was that was that was the benefit of going second owen i i i I got to sneak in i was you were on you, you were straight away on my list, Owen, but, but I got told I can I couldn't mention you. <laughs> <laughs> likewise, likewise. Thanks, mate. <laughs> so um, I, I just want to ask you both, what what do you think have been your greatest achievement? Um, it can be professionally or personally since you've been qualified as a dietitian. Owen? Um, it's, um, 
Okay, so I think one that just immediately comes to mind was when I when I used to work as a diabetes dietitian in Hackney, we started one for the first low energy diet programs for type 2 diabetes remission in, in England within the NHS. And um, it was a huge amount of work, had fantastic support from an amazing dietitian team and, um, and even Adrian here as well. Uh, to make it happen and then also, you know, touch wood uh, to, to uh, write up the results in the future. But doing that work around remission when, of course, it's still relatively new, but it was, it was a very kind of fresh off press kind of uh, research from direct and to push it forwards and to advocate for dietitians within that role uh, was really, really satisfying. And to see the results with patients was just amazing because I think we all get into this role to help people and I think sometimes in weight management type 2 diabetes care um, we haven't always perhaps had the tools to do it as much as we like and things like low diets provide that tool and seeing it work in action you know from research to practice it was just so satisfying you know I, I loved it I loved it and uh yeah, so that that comes to mind um, absolutely, uh, and I think kind of continues on the whole in the future as well. Wow, it sounds like you've you've done such a huge amount, and you're still working in in that area at Aviva, is that right? Yeah, that's right. But it's yeah, slightly different now. I don't do so much clinical care, but being clinical lead, it's really leading on the clinical development of our programs. So it's looking at things like implementing low diets within tier three services or. Um, the latest research and applying it to help patients um, get better outcomes for behavior change, quality of life, um, weight, you know, whatever the, the main goals are there. Uh, so, yes, I think those experiences from doing the things I've learned, you don't really apply to, to what I'm doing now. And I mean, I don't know about you, Adrian, but I just think, I think it really is that applying research into practice and seeing it work, seeing it improve patients' lives, seeing it improve your care is the thing. Like it's just, it's just brilliant. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you, Anne. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, and, and your passion, for both of you, your passion really does come through. You, you light up um, when you're talking about your research and it's really nice to see that and how you've applied it to where you are now. I've got the sun on my face as well. <laughs> <laughs> Just struck at the right time on the webcam. The spotlight is on. <laughs> yes. Indeed. And good, it's a podcast, though, so they won't be able to see you. There we go. I can, I can see you. Great picture. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Adrian, let's come on to you then. What, what's your proudest moment as a dietitian? Uh, I mean, I, I have a few. I think, I think, I think, from a from a professional point of view, I think um, with, within dietetics, when I, in terms of my professional stuff at, in the NHS, I would have to say, sort of changing the opinion of weight management within our department and our our area was a real amazing experience for us um uh right at the start um we literally had one clinic a week running um with two dietitians and with the help of obviously um the the managers and and the the clinical leads we ended up having 10 clinics we ended up i ended up developing uh, groups for people living with obesity um, that um, we ended up publishing on. Um, and we started to really start to get weight management into other areas that traditionally weren't even considered. So things like HIV, things like renal, all those areas that people were starting to be impacted by obesity, we started to really start to impact and help people's lives. So I really felt feel that that was a real achievement that we moved from being an area that people weren't necessarily wanting to go into to actually as having people applying to come in and be part of our team as part of band fives and band sixes and actually wanting to do weight management 
and not it was given to you, oh, that weight management patient. Actually, people were coming in and go, actually, you know what I want to do? I want to come and spend a year in your team and learn about weight management and learn about bariatrics and learn about behavior change. And so I really felt that was a, that, that was a personal and professional achievement. Um, the PhD, obviously, is a pretty big achievement. Um, and it was more about the experience um, of running a clinical trial from start to finish. Um, and all the information, all the experiences that I learned in between and the resilience, which was phenomenal. And I, I, I couldn't go back on that experience. And, and finally, obviously, this podcast. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's, a, it's an honour to have you here, both of you, honestly. Um, and I'm sure, Adrian, you will be inspiring a whole generation of new dietitians once your course is up and running, of course, at UCL. Yeah, fingers crossed. I really... Um, uh, it, I hope that um, again we're going to be um, being able to help people to um, become dietitians and really changing how 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 dietetic practice is is, is people come through and we've really got a uh, a real promotion on sort of these non traditional settings. So I know Harriet, we're 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 in discussions about how you can help with the course as well, and and so I really think that it's important that we focus in on that future dietetics 2025 and really start to show the diversity as you're saying Owen of of where dietitians what dietitians can do and it isn't just all um getting into hospitals and giving out sit feeds and doing tube feeds there's a lot of diversity in terms of where we can be and so yes fingers crossed um we will be helping future dietitians as well with the course Brilliant. Thank you for that, Adrian. So um, without further ado, it's our final question, which is if you were both cast off to a desert island, what would be your last meal, Owen? What's your favourite meal, favourite food? Oh, well, can we have three courses or is it just kind of one? Go one for dish? it. Take me through your slap <laughs> meal. I think uh, it's got to be some kind of seafood at the beginning, probably mussels. Mussels, scallops, and oysters to begin with. I'm having all three, okay? And then, you know, I know it sounds boring, but I just want a good steak. I just want a good steak. Or, yeah, no, a steak, I want a steak. And, um, and then for dessert, tiramisu, every time. Question is, how do you have the steak? Well, yeah, so if it's probably uh, like ribeye, so something around medium, medium rare would be fine. That'd be nice. Yeah. Maybe some chips on the side. Yeah. Definitely like triple chips, <laughs> some like roasted tomatoes, some mushrooms. Love it. Love it. Very hungry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and a good and a good glass of red wine with that, for sure. Yeah. Adrian, will you be joining Owen with his meal or, or yeah? <laughs> I'm pretty much sealing Owen's meal. I mean <laughs> uh, I, 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 I was thinking I was thinking exactly that. Some uh, so, uh, a nice couple of oysters to start off with, nice sea salted. Then a nice, I was thinking like beef carpaccio would be lovely. Mm, mm, nice. nice. Um, I, I agree. Uh, I, I, I try to think about other foods apart from steak, but I like meat. Um, I really do. Um, so it would definitely be a sirloin or a fillet, uh, a fillet steak. And mine would be cooked rare. Um, Nice, beautiful. Uh, I'll be having that with some asparagus and some thinly stripped roast potatoes, nicely salted, olive oil. Absolutely lovely. I'll be having that with a nice glass of Australian Shiraz. Um, um, absolutely fantastic. And then for my desserts, I will be having a lemon dessert. That will either be a cheesecake or a tart. Um and and where is this desert island? Is this our last meal ever? Before, uh, or, or 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 is it? Is this like Hawaii? Where I... <laughs> this is this is your last meal. So you've really got to make the most of it. Last meal before like coconuts and uh, and 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 fish. Oh yeah! Think... Before you become like a like a caveman. Like a caveman. Uh, exactly. Exactly. Talking to a coconut. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, maybe I wouldn't go for seafood there. Maybe we, we could seafood. <laughs> maybe we, maybe we just need to meet it out. <laughs> it's very true, actually. It's a really yeah. good point. Maybe it's yeah. like yeah, beef tartar for start. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Seven yeah. turf at the most, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good point. 
Good questions, actually, Adrian. There we go. That's the benefit of going second again. Well, 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 not at all, mate. I mean, I mean, to be honest, you 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 stole my meal pretty much, apart from the tiramisu. Although I do like a coffee. Can I have an espresso afterwards? I can, can't I? We'll allow you an espresso. I won't be joining you on the lemon dessert, though. I'm more chocolate. I have to say. Oh, chocolate. Yeah, a good goo pudding. Really? Uh, like the volcano kind of, yeah, melty middle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You put the spoon and just, yeah, spills everywhere. I do Love think it. my favourite dessert has to actually be at a restaurant, a chocolate dessert. I think it, oh, yeah. uh, it, was, it was a Michelin star restaurant. It's unbelievable. And I always remember that chocolate dessert because it was absolutely amazing. Although I do love lemon. Um, and I would always go to lemon for a dessert. But yeah, I'm, I'm there with a bit of dark chocolate. Harriet, dark, dark or milk chocolate? Oh, it's always dark. Either green and blacks or lint all the way. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think we need a cheese board as well. Because if it's oh, meal, you need a cheese Owen. board. You've, you've met you, you, you in between in between the main meal and uh, and the dessert. Or can we get a mousse bouche as well? Well, no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, we should make this a ten a ten course meal. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Well, yeah, the last meal. A taste the menu. We need a aperitif and digestive as well. Exactly. Yeah, we, need, we need it all. We need it all. We need it all. Great. So when, when are we going to do this? I don't yeah. know. I but I don't want to go to the desert island. <laughs> Is no. that okay? We can just do the meal. Yeah, you just hang out. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, I'm sure we've we've left everyone feeling very hungry after that. Um, but I always enjoy listening to what people's last meal will be because being dietitians, pretty much everyone is, is a big foodie. So it's always interesting. You learn a lot about people through their their food tastes. What's the most common choice? We've had a lot of people talk about potatoes. Really? That could be because I've had a few Irish dietitians on the podcast. So, mm. um, yeah, roast potatoes, crisps, any kind of potato. Um, mm. Yeah, I think yours yours has been the most embellished meal. So I'm very very impressed. You've obviously prepared for that answer. <laughs> <laughs> we had a little uh, we had a little preparation. Little power. Yeah, yeah, perhaps, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> thank you, thank you both so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you for everybody listening today. Um, happy Dietitians Week and join us um, for our next episode of Dietitian Cafe, which will be coming very soon.